You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a Q&A podcast from questions that I got on my Instagram. So I'm going to get into all of those. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things, trying to conceive, natural ways to boost melatonin, eczema, all the things. But before I get into it, I want to just say we have tickets for the Winter Couples Wellness Weekend available now. It is going to, registration is going to close uh, at the end of the month on the 28th. We only have a few tickets left, so this weekend's going to be super fun. It's going to be very low-key compared to our other retreats. We have a welcome dinner that's going to be sourced from farm to table, three-course meal, appetizers, entree, dessert. It's going to be so good. Everything's going to be seasonal, local. local. We're hiring, we're having a private chef cook it for us. It's going to be so awesome. Um, Saturday's going to kind of be a full-packed day. We're going to do, we're going to meet up in the morning we're going to hike to Josie's cabin, which is this really awesome cabin in, in uh, the Olympic area where there's going to be some herbal tea. We're going to do some cabin yoga and then we're going to snowshoe back. Then we're going to kind of break for the afternoon. So lodging is completely separate. You guys can stay wherever you'd like. There's hotels, there's Airbnbs, there's VRBOs. We've pretty much stayed at almost everywhere. We've stayed at pretty much every place in town. So if you're looking to come and you are have questions on like a hotel or whatever, you can reach out and ask. Then we're doing like workshops, chiropractic, all that kind of stuff in the evening. And then we're breaking for a date night in town. There's so many great restaurants. Lake Placid is so romantic, especially in the winter time. So that's super exciting. And then we're having a hike on Sunday morning. So this is a super, super low key wellness weekend. It's just kind of planned and a little bit structured. So like if you were to come up to Lake Placid and be like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is a good thing that we're planning to do, but then you still have your alone time. So you can register on my website, drhaleyshoff.com slash events. I can also put the registration right in the link for the show notes. So you guys can check it out, but without further ado, let's get into this Q and I. So I want to start off with a really great question that is really complex. Do you believe all hormone imbalances have a root cause? 100,000% yes. Hormones are great. I, that's what I do. I do hormones. I focus on how we can balance and support your hormones, but hormones always have a root cause. Like your low estrogen has a root cause. Low progesterone has a root cause. High progesterone, high estrogen, high testosterone, low testosterone. Those all have root causes. So, and those root causes vary. I mean, I've talked pretty extensively about high estrogen, I've, I've even talked a little bit about low estrogen. Low estrogen is usually due to stress in various forms, like any type of stressor, cortisol, under eating, over exercising, under nourishment, those are going to suppress your sex hormones because sex hormones in general are just more of a luxury. Um, high testosterone is typically caused by metabolic imbalances. So you definitely would want to check out the episode that I did on spironolactone. If you are suspecting that you have high testosterone. Um, so yes, all hormonal imbalances have a root cause. A lot of them stem in the gut. A lot of them pertain to liver health. A lot of them pertain to nourishment. So they all, there's always a reason for whatever you're seeing with your hormones. 
Absolutely. Um, another question, how do you cook your food? Meat on the stove, in the oven? Do I use oils or ghee? So it really depends. I slow cook a lot of the meat. Like right now in the crock pot, I have short ribs with peppers, bone broth, and fingerling potatoes. I do a lot of, I do a lot of crock pot meals when I'm super busy. So I'm in the office a little bit later today, so I don't want to have to come home and cook. So crock pot meal it is. Tomorrow is crazy busy. So crock pot meal it is. Um, we'll have crock pot leftovers tomorrow. Um, and you know, in the summer we use the grill. We like to grill steaks. We like to grill chicken, but sometimes, I mean, I don't know in the winter, I guess we use it a little bit too. Um, I'll use a stove sometimes. Sometimes I'll use the oven. It really depends on which recipe I'm cooking, um, to, to really make that answer super vague, which, um, unfortunately, but it's the truth. I do use certain oils or ghee. So for cooking oils, I'll use avocado oil. It's really the only oil I'll use. Then I'll use tallow, butter, ghee, uh, coconut oil sometimes, I guess as well. Um, but I do not use olive oil to cook with. I'll just more drizzle it on afterwards because it's got a very low smoke point. Acne around the chin or mouth while pregnant. So usually that's the hormonal area. That is also a huge area that deals with adrenals. Um, it could be high estrogen. It could be high progesterone. It could be high testosterone. It could be high cortisol. Usually the chin tends to be very much so related to adrenals. So your body's already going through a lot of stress with pregnancy. It's of course a good stress, but it's still a stress. Uh, it requires a lot more nutrients. So make sure you're replenished with nutrients. Make sure that you are, you know, having regular bowel movements because constipation can cause hormones to go up because they're not being able to be recycled through the stool. So all those are really, really important in terms of kind of looking at just quickly and thinking, okay, pregnant, acne around the mouth and chin, what could potentially be going on? That is definitely kind of what I'd be thinking about. Give your adrenals some love. Make sure you're focusing on self-care. Make sure that you are eating super balanced meals because it could be a blood sugar thing. Progesterone loves to make our blood sugar be a little bit more dysregulated. So really balanced meals is huge. Um, and regular normal bowel movements. So let's see. Okay. Next question. Um, paraguide parasite cleanse without being overseen by a practitioner. So I, I actually messaged this person cause I'm not super familiar with the Paraguard parasite cleanse. I know some people are using it. Apparently it's really big on TikTok. I don't use that brand for parasite cleansing. I don't know anything about it. So that's not the brand that I use, but if you are going to parasite cleanse, I do think it is wise to do it under the supervision of a practitioner because everybody's body is a little bit differently, but you don't want to just all of a sudden go and start killing off organisms and just thinking everything's going to be hunky-dory, especially if you haven't had any prep prior. So I would advise if you want to work through a parasite cleanse to do it either with a practitioner or under a practitioner or through some type of a group so that you can get the support from that practitioner, because that's going to be really important. Um, and then as you obviously get better, you can maybe don't need it. So for instance, like I work through a parasite cleanse with my one-on-one -on -one patients and clients, 
but I also have it in my membership. So it's a course, I teach you how to work through it, but then I'm also there to help you tailor and adjust your dosing. So I would consider both of those being under the guidance of a practitioner. Um, I also recommend that because I think the most effective ones are the practitioner grade products that you would want to be working with a practitioner for. So for instance, I use Cellcor. Cellcor is a great line. Um, I love it a lot, but it's a very strong and very effective. So because of that, um, I like to really guide and work with people through that. So I do think it is really helpful to like be under some type of guidance or supervision of a practitioner. Um, I, that's just my personal preference. I think you get better results. I think you're really able to use a lot better products than just maybe straight over the counter. Um, okay. This is a good question. Do topical prescription, I can't use my words. Do topical prescriptions from dermatologists affect the gut? If so, as much as antibiotics. So I'm assuming this person's maybe thinking of like benzoyl peroxide or topical antibiotics or topical steroids. In the case of topical steroids, they absolutely do. So I've had people who be on topical steroids and it show up on their Dutch test in terms of like, it really suppresses your cortisol level because it's a corticosteroid. So it's going to suppress your adrenal and just to show how it has affected that. So that's the Dutch test is a urine test. If someone is applying corticosteroids topically, it is still affecting their cortisol levels in their urine. So therefore that medication is being absorbed and processed. So, um, yes, those things are, those things are being impacted. They're being absorbed. They're being impacted in your bloodstream. Um, so in terms of like, if you were to use like an oral antibiotic or sorry, a topical antibiotic, is it affecting your gut as much as a capsulated probiotic or antibiotic? I wouldn't say to that extent, but it is going to affect the microbiome in and around the area that you're using it. And you're still ingest, like your body is still taking it in. Um, I just don't think it's affecting it necessarily to that extent, but I mean, you do still want to be careful with harsh topicals. It definitely can affect your skin microbiome. I really love the Sarah skin, um, from microbiome labs. It's probiotics really specific to your skin's probiotics and they are very beautiful. I love it, especially for like my eczema, psoriasis, acne prone. Uh, it's really all about rebalancing that, uh, skin and, um, epidermal microbiome. This is a question I've gotten a lot and I've done a lot of podcasts on it, how to prep for trying to conceive in about a year or so. Lots of podcasts on this. Um, I actually have a few posts on it as well. I can link a few of those in the show notes. Um, but in terms of like really quick kind of rundown, like this is a great time that you want to be detoxing. This is a really great time. If you want to do a parasite cleanse to do a parasite cleanse, this is a great time to make sure everything is in line and that you're able to do all these things that you're not able to do. Like so many people get pregnant and they're like, how do I detox? How do I do this? That's stuff that should have been done prior, um, specifically about a year to two prior. So this is a really great time to make sure you're working on that working through various detox protocols, depending on what your symptoms are. So it's hard to say exactly what you would need because I don't really know what you're dealing with, but looking at more of those really cleaning out things, you really want to make sure your environment's cleaned out, switching to non-toxic products, switching to lower tox, uh, lower tox options for personal care, just because all of those things do accumulate. And especially for males and sperm quality, their sperm life is about three months. So 
for them, like really making sure that they're cleaning up their environment a good three to six months prior to conception. But a year is the more the merrier. It's going to be better. Okay. Struggling to get pregnant, but feel healthier all around now than with my tooth first two babies. Okay. So I see this a lot, especially with moms who have had previous, have had pregnancies previously. They might be struggling to get pregnant. Pregnancy is a very energy expensive process. It is very energy expensive. It is recommended that you wait two to three years in between each pregnancy. Um, ideally to make sure that everything is optimized and that you're fully replenished because pregnancy is very expensive. And then delivery is very energy expensive and nutrient expensive. Breastfeeding is extremely energy and nutrient expensive. And then your body needs time to like actually be able to replenish. And I think a lot of times when we're trying to get pregnant too quickly, it's just replenishment, replenishment, replenished. And it's just, you're not you're depleted, you're depleted, you're depleted, and you're not having enough time to be replenished. So it could simply just be that there hasn't been enough time to make sure your body's fully and adequately nourished. Because even though you're doing all the right things and you feel super healthy, that's great. But maybe your body just needs a little bit more time in this state before it feels optimally ready to conceive again. Uh, I know that might sound silly, but I do see that especially after their first or second trying for a second or third. It, it is, it is really energy expensive. It's really nutrient expensive. So making sure that you just have proper time. I think people don't realize how much time might be needed in between each pregnancy. Do you personally supplement vitamin D in the winter or let body use its summer stores? That's a really, really, really great question. I've been reading a lot of different research on vitamin D. Oh man. And I don't know exactly where I sit on it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of different things. And so short answer is I do rely heavily on my summer stores of vitamin D. I do plan to get checked this winter at some point. I want to maybe get a vitamin D test now and then maybe get another one midwinter. I also, we plan to try to go away in the winter to get that up a little bit. But I really, I would say mostly bank on cod liver oil for natural vitamin D production or natural vitamin D supplementation. And then I try to eat more liver. I try to eat salmon. I try to eat all of those things that naturally have it. Um, that's a hard question. Cause I don't, I've been seeing so many various things on, should you supplement with vitamin D? Yes or no. And I guess I really don't know where I stand. I don't know if it's as harmful as some of these accounts are saying that it is to be. Um, I mean, I know how helpful it was against, the virus that was going around. So short answer is I, I, I'm switching or I'm trying to get it more through like whole food forms and really stock up, uh, with my sun exposure and absorb what I can absorb through my skin before, but I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed. I mean, especially if I feel a cold or something coming on, I have liquid vitamin D that I will definitely take because I know that it helps me. So that's kind of where I stand on that as of right now. Um, what can cause feeling puffy in the face in the morning? Okay. So no amount of expensive eye cream or under eye patch is going to help fix the root cause of like why you're puffy. I love a collagen under eye mask. I think they're great. I love them, but it's not why you have bags under your eyes or why you're puffy. That is a kidney mineral issue. Um, it could just be inflammation in general, but usually it's a kidney thing. Like your body's not draining fluid properly. It could be a lymph thing. So lymph, there is not a lot of lymph nodes in the face. It's more in the neck. So if you're struggling to move that fluid, um, it could get stagnated and make you feel puffy. So I really love the ice rollers 
do it first thing in the morning to just really like help move that lint from your face, facial dry brushing, facial gua sha. But apart from that, making sure that you're well hydrated with minerals. Hydration is hydration with minerals. It's not just water alone because water alone is just going to make you have to pee a lot. Water with, with minerals, whether that's salt, trace mineral drops, um, fulvic or humic acid type mineral drops, that is what's going to help make you adequately hydrated. Like literally just a pinch of salt into your water can help that balance a lot more than just water itself. So try that, try all of those things that I love the ice roller in the morning. That's great for just really moving that fluid, do your skincare routine, do a facial gua sha that really helps move a lot of that lymph because that honestly could be what it is. Like your body's, just, your lymph's just not working super great. So try those things, but then definitely make sure you're, you're being adequately hydrated. Um, if you used to eat dairy, cut it out during vegan stint, and now you're sensitive when you weren't before, is there a good way to reintroduce it and minimize digestive distress and acne? Very good question. I would say you want to get like the least processed form. So if you don't have access to raw milk, you can get like a non-homogenized grass-fed form. Maybe start with yogurt because yogurt tends to be a little bit more digestible with the probiotics. Um, the lactic acid really helps eat up a lot of that lactose. Um, so it really makes it very pre-digestible. Um, again, the least processed, the better. So if you can find somewhere local that you can do it, if not, try to get non-homogenized which a non-homogenized essentially means that there should be a cream on the top, fat on the bottom, then you can mix it together. It's just less processed. Uh, grass feds, of course, best if you can for healthy fats. Again, just more natural to what it should be. If you can get access to raw milk or raw dairy products, that is definitely the place where I would start. You will probably not be sensitive to that. I know people who are lactose intolerant and can, who can do raw milk because there's lactase in it. It's, it literally comes with everything that you need to be able to digest it. But I understand that not everyone has access to it or that maybe they can't find a place near them and that's okay. So just try to get the most least processed form. So in terms of cheese, that would be something like a hard cheese, like parm. Parm is usually a raw type cheese. Get a good uh, minimally processed yogurt. You could start with those first and just start with a little bit, see how your body reacts and slowly kind of work up from there because we can give ourselves like you can lose your lactase enzyme as you age. And then especially if you cut it out, your body doesn't need to make it anymore. So maybe you can supplement with like a, a digestive enzyme or something to help your body break it down. Um, that's why, I mean, obviously raw is great because it has it in it, but yogurt is also great because it tends to, people who tend to struggle with other forms of dairy tend to be more okay with yogurts. Okay. Um, how do I feel about reusable menstrual discs or cups regarding pelvic floor dysfunction? Ooh, good question. And I think that really is a case by case basis. I think it really depends on you, your history, how like inflamed your pelvic anatomy, um, in terms of how you would do, I think maybe the disc would do maybe a little bit better than a cup for you. Um, but if you don't work with a pelvic floor therapist, I would highly recommend that, especially if you know there's some dysfunction there. Um, but I think I would say the discs would probably tend to be more comfortable than a cup. Um, but I am definitely a fan of those in terms of menstrual products. Okay. What causes low testosterone in women? Great question. This tends to be very common. Testosterone is very responsible for libido, sex drive, muscle, tissue, metabolism, all the things. Birth control is a great depleter of testosterone. Um, various aromatase inhibitors, so history of spironolactone or anything like that can cause low testosterone. Um, 
stress, chronic stress, here we come back to kind of the most common cause of any hormonal imbalance. But like I said, that stress can come in many forms under nutrition, under nourishments, under caloric wise eating, um, over exercising. I see that a lot with my bodybuilding athletes. Like they would want high testosterone, but they just are burning the testosterone in the ground because they're just so much overtraining. Best ways to produce melatonin production, limit your blue light and you got, want to get that morning sunlight. So even when it's cloudy, the sun is still out. So every single morning, if you can get outside, expose yourself to that daylight, that helps regulate your circadian rhythm. So more exposure to sun or light during the day helps your body release more melatonin at night. To further help release melatonin at night, you can cut out those harsh synthetic fluorescent lights that we have in our house and more stick to like Himalayan pink salt lamps, really soft lighting or just more lamps around the house instead of that harsh overhead lighting and really try to limit blue light as much as possible. So if you are gonna be on a device Try to not have it super close to your face. Try to put it on more of a warm color and try to maybe have some blue light blocking glasses in or just stick to reading, meditating, stretching, warm bath, those types of routines to really cut down that blue light exposure. Root cause of eczema. So eczema typically is a gut issue. I'd say 99.9% of the time it's a gut issue. And uh, even more specifically, I'd say a lot of times it tends to be like very parasitic in in nature. Um, so really making sure you're doing a lot to heal that. So eczema is obviously inflammation. So sticking to like an anti-inflammatory, whether it's autoimmune paleo, um, more even type, more animal based for some people, like with very limited, uh, or very specific fruits or, uh, plant foods that maybe won't be as inflammatory. I mean, it really depends on like how inflammatory it is for you, depending on what your nutrition should look like. It depends on what stage of kind of healing you're in, because if it's really acute and it's really, really bad, you're going to want to definitely be a little bit more diligent with foods that you're making sure you're incorporating versus foods that are, you're not. But in terms of root cause, it's all tied to the gut. Absolutely. Um, are IUDs as bad as birth control? It's a, this is a loaded question. I've done, um, some podcasts on IUDs in terms of kind of the risks and the benefits to give you that informed sense. So I'll make sure informed consent. So I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes. And then last question, best bank bang for your buck on food. So I think the best bang for your buck on food would be shopping local shopping at, um, farmers markets, really getting to know your farmer. We save a ton of money doing that. So I would highly recommend doing that if you, don't already. Um, getting to know your local farmer, maybe doing like a co-op or something like that is honestly, I think the best way to save money, especially in today's age. I went to the grocery store. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I forget like how expensive things are. Um, so, I mean, we've saved so much being able to do that. So I think that's the best bang for your buck. So thank you guys for submitting questions. I will definitely do more of these in the future. So just make sure you're staying tuned for question box coming on my Instagram, but I hope you guys have a great rest of the day and I will see you here next week. Woo!